We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vince? Yeah. I think it's time. Are you ready for rapid fire? Yeah, I may have put the uh, Marcus Freeman one too far down on the list of the uh, demeanor on the sideline, but uh, oh, okay, because everybody's talking about that. But I'm gonna hold off. But Interesting. I mean, I am excited to talk about these. That's for well, sure. we're going a little bit different route with with our rapid fire tonight. One, it is all Notre Dame related and predominantly related to the game Saturday night, and two. Instead of just like our traditional questions, we're just tossing out topics and it's going to be word association, I guess, you know, yes. whatever comes to mind. I, and I love kind these. Of thing. I love these. By the way, before we start, Brian NY with a super <laughs> chat says the postgame press comfort presser was embarrassing. Zero answers. There really weren't. I, I think we saw a more emotional Marcus Freeman than we have probably seen in a while he definitely was a guy who you know who didn't have all the you know like a guy who seemed like he had all the answers most of the time was looking for answers more i think yeah. both both the other night and even sometimes today sometimes at his press conference yeah uh, and he was definitely more emotional on the sideline i mean that that's for sure but yeah anyway all right. Uh, Milton said, did my supercharger get skipped? I don't know what that is. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming he meant super chat, and I'm looking uh, to see if we had missed it, which I guess is possible. So you go ahead and you, you like move Put on. it back in. You don't have to put it in with the money. Just throw in the comment if you've already paid for it, and we'll, and we'll get it up here. Sorry if we missed it. Yeah, There's been a lot more it. chat activity tonight. Yes, there has, which is great. We love the activity. All right, so it's word association. We'll toss something out, and we'll just kick it around. Starting off, the topic is this season for Notre Dame. If you would have told me on October 17th that Notre Dame would be sitting 3-3, three and three, I'd have told you were crazy. With the schedule that they had, the opponents that they had at home, the opponents that they've had on the road, I'd have told you that you were nuts. I would have said... Okay, I'll give you Ohio State as a loss. Show me two other losses. And I would have fought you tooth and nail for any of the other five teams that they played that Notre Dame would lose to. I'd have fought you tooth and nail. And obviously, I would have been wrong. And 
that is a this season has been a huge disappointment it has been a huge disappointment I have never been this wrong about a season as a whole than I have been about this team this year and I'll be the first one to admit it and we've seen flashes of what I thought they could be and even after Tyler Buckner went down I still thought that they could win a bunch of games and they barely beat Cal and they obviously lost to like your words, a tomato can in Stanford. <laughs> right. It's it's been embarrassing and it's been disappointing and, and unacceptable to be honest with you. If you love drinking coffee every morning, you have to check out trade coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love, fresh to your home, and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor, and every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing. Whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrows, every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado, Looking to discover something new? Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It has been just dumbfounding like when i look at what has happened so far this season i have to go all the way back you know 2016 was shocking to an extent especially considering they were only four years removed from playing from a national championship but that 2007 season with charlie weiss and like after the loss to marshall this year marcus freeman said something 
And it wasn't quite to the extent of like Charlie Weiss in 2007 after they just got waxed by Michigan saying, we've got to go back to training camp because we're not doing anything right. You know, fundamentally, we're, you know, all those kind of things. But there are a lot of those issues going on with this with this team right now. They're very basic, fundamental things. So like if Marcus Freeman wants to talk about execution, he can because they're not executing because of the fact that the preparation appears to be flawed and the, you know, the practice, you know, whatever the gameplay, all these things are flawed. It is just dumbfounding to see this team sitting at three and three after watching five consecutive teams win double digit games. And again, it's not just that they lost. So I, and and I don't want to hear about it's a lack of talent and all those things as we've talked about because the two teams they lost to are buried behind Notre Dame in the recruiting rankings year in and year out for the, you know, that's part of why Stanford is where you fallen to where they are right now. They, they have some guys here and there, but they're nowhere close to where Notre Dame is in the recruiting rankings and neither is Marshall. So it's not about not having talent in those two specific losses, especially after you went toe to toe with, with Ohio state. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Notre Dame is trying to close the gap from a talent standpoint with, you know, the, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons and all of that. From a talent standpoint, they are doing that on the recruiting trail, and nobody can really argue that. I think Notre Dame's number two right now. I think that's the last thing I saw after Jeremiah right. Love well, committed. You know, and look, like Maybe. John is saying right now, 90% of the problem is Reese Pine. Pine is literal garbage, noodle arm. He wouldn't even be on Notre Dame. I just I don't buy that because three games in a row, the guy was completing 72% of his passes. Now, you know, was he rocket arm downfield? No. Is he a three-star guy? Yeah, and you know, part of that is on Tommy Reese, and part Absolutely. of that is on Brian Kelly as well yep. for yep. who they recorded or who they recruited at quarterback. Absolutely, no question about it. I mean, that's you need to recruit a starting quarterback. Not Drew Pine for being Drew Pine because Drew no, Pine is doing not. everything he needs to do to try to be ready. Now, were there deficiencies that we saw in one game? Yes. Were there deficiencies we saw in the first half against Cal? Yes, but the other two and a half games prior to this. That kid played lights out, and I yes. was amazed at what we saw the Me last too. two and a half games. You know, absolutely. So this is a this is a big regression, but you know, is the real Drew Pine the guy that we saw against North Carolina and BYU, or is it the guy we saw two nights ago against Stanford? I, I guess both. that's going to be determined because there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's both. I, I didn't think that we were going to be seeing right. big ebbs and flows after what we saw from him in those two games, though. Absolutely agree. I th- there's a happy meet like the the real. It's like where the real Drew Pine, please stand up. Right. Like it is somewhere in between there, in my opinion. Right. Yes. And I gave him all the props in the world for what he was able to do the last two games, and then this game he. Whoop, yeah, I mean, it was a valley. There is no doubt about it. But I think his actual talent level is someplace in the middle. That's why he was a three-star quarterback. And, you know, somebody said, well, Kelly's gone. You can't blame him. Well, you can blame him for the depth chart at quarterback right now. You can because he was here when they were recruited. Okay. So that's Tommy Reese. He's the primary recruiter of the quarterback room. And it's also the head coach, right? They have a terrible quarterback room right now. Or not terrible. That's, That's mean. They don't have a terrible quarterback room, but they're not recruiting starting division one quarterbacks every cycle. You know, they're, they're not stacking quarterbacks like other big time programs do. 
Right. That's the problem. I they think don't even have off. a quarterback in the 23 yeah. class. Like they're like, okay, let's get this this one big gun, and then we'll take a couple other guys because the big gun right. is going to be our guy. And you know, the, these guys are, are, will kind of be our fallback. Whereas programs like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, you know, now Ohio State has obviously benefited from some transfers, but you know, obviously Joe Burrow came from there too. Like you said, they are stacking the talent. They're having them compete for the job, and the guy who loses the job just transfers, and then they go recruit another one to take right. his place. That's, that's what you have what to you do. Need, rather that's what than you have disparity. to do. Yes, yeah, that's right. That's what you absolutely have to do, and you can't be worried about those guys leaving because they're not playing. You want guys to come in and think that they're the best and that they're going to compete for that starting job. Right. And if they don't get it, then go ahead. You can go, and that's fine because we just stacked another guy right behind you. Like That's what the quarterback room needs to look like at a place like Notre Dame. And right now... Tommy Reese has been bad about stacking quarterbacks and say what you want about, I can't remember what recruiting class, you know, Phil was in. And then you had Ian book. I mean, Ian book was a three-star recruit, right? Drew Pine was a three-star recruit. I think Tyler Buckner, if he played his senior year would have been a five-star recruit, but then you've got this, you've got this going right. Right. And now you have a zero star recruit in the 23 class. Yes. Huge problem. Let's move to the next topic, and I'll bump one up because I saw someone in the uh, in the chat just mention it. The scan offense, all the check with me stuff at the line of scrimmage. That was going to be our next topic or one of our upcoming topics. So let's just do it right now anyway. What right. do you think about that, Vince? There is a time and a place for that offense. There's a time and a place for it. And... Four games into your tenure as a starting quarterback is not the place for it. I mean, that's that's how I feel about it. it. It slows the pace of the game down. It takes whatever momentum you had as an offense, and it just flushes it down the toilet. I mean, it takes forever to get a playoff. It takes forever. That's not necessary. Are you doing it because you can't call plays that fast? Are you doing it because you don't think your quarterback can handle it? I mean, why are you not conditioned enough? Is this a Bayless problem? I don't think it is. But like, what is the rationale for the scan offense? It, I, I, I can't, I can't stand it. It is the worst offense that you can possibly run. And again, there is a time and a place for that. You want to do that for your four minute offense where you're trying to, you know, run out the clock and all that. Fine. You know, you can you can liken that to the burn offense that Mike Bray runs. Right? It's boring as heck. But sometimes that's what you need to do. I get yep. that. But that's all Notre Dame has been doing. And that's a huge problem. You have to be able to go no huddle. You have to be able to and that's run it. your offense at a certain level. You have to. It's slowing things down. And, and I think that that's part of their problem as well, is they need they need a little bit more tempo. They get to the line. If you're not going to huddle and you get to the line, okay, they stand there. They change the play. Well, the defense, you know, is changing things as well as you're changing whatever you think that you're, you know, adjustment that you're making offensively. Just just get up there. Yeah, and that's that's a big part of it. Control freak. Let the player read and play. You know, that's trying to find the perfect play. They're trying to find the perfect play. Right. And it doesn't have to be perfect because, again, they've got more talent. And if you've got more talent, like maybe it has to be more perfect against the Ohio States and the Clemsons and those kind of teams. But that's not who you were playing the other night. You should be able to go to the line of scrimmage with a play call, get there, get the playoff, and you should be able to beat the other guy, what, at least 75 80% of the time because you've got more talent. Yes, and that's the key right there. You've got more talent. 
Notre Dame has more talent than Marshall. They have more talent than Stanford. Okay. You shouldn't have to be searching for the perfect play. You should not have to be doing that. That is a waste of time and a waste of energy. Let your players play the game. Let them play. Run some zone read to the outside. How about that? You know, or zone to the outside. Get your speed on the outside. Stanford is big in the middle. They're big. No doubt about it. Went right at their strength. And you went right at it. Why? Why would you do that? That just makes zero sense to me. That's why I want to just sit in, sit in the back of the room during the offensive play calling meeting. I'm going to tell you what, Drew Chup. I'm sure you're a nice guy, but don't come in here talking about offenses that actually work and think that you're going to, you know, like cheer anybody up okay? because I'm fully aware that there are a million other offenses in this country that look a heck of a lot better than what we see on Saturday I said it last week it's depressing to sit here with these night games and watch some of these other games during the day and go wow look at that offense look at Kansas has a much more creative yes. offense and Notre Dame has Dame more talent right now. And Notre Dame has more talent than Kansas yes offense, much Sean, more talent than that's just a, no I mean that's that was a rebuild. You know, that yes. was a rebuild. Yes. And, and they're running a much more imaginative offense in year two than what Tommy Reese is running in his third year as the offensive coordinator. Absolutely. And if Tommy Reese doesn't think that they have the talent, then Tommy Reese needs to go someplace else where he thinks the talent is. Maybe that's the NFL. Maybe that's someplace else. But if you can't look at this roster and see that you have talent, that's a major, major problem. It's a major problem for me. I, I I don't know what else to say. And the fact that Mike Golick Jr. is echoing that on Twitter, that Notre Dame doesn't have the roster, is... It's BS. It's mind-blowing to me. Have you seen Have you seen what the three running backs did the last three games? Right. You're telling me there's nothing there? There's no Did you watch there? Lorenzo's... Again, again I, I said this earlier. It's the same offensive coordinator that called plays in the Fiesta Bowl when Lorenzo Styles went nuts, when Chris Tyree went nuts as a receiver. With all that, with, with with Jack Cohn setting, you know, all these offensive passing records and everything else. That's the exact same offensive coordinator and a lot of the same guys who are still on this roster. Could the wide receiving room be in better shape? Sure. Yes. But That's don't fine. tell me that Lorenzo Styles, Braden Lindsay, Tobias Merriweather, you obviously have Michael Mayer. Chris Tyree, Audric Estimate, Logan Diggs. That's a ton of talent right there. Don't tell me there's no talent on this roster. That, it, don't that's, tell me. I don't want to hear it. Because you make yourself look like a fool if, if that's what you're saying. That is correct. And the only thing the only thing I can extrapolate from that comment from Mike Gold Jr. is that he was teammates with Tommy Reese, and they talk about it. And Tommy's probably like, man, I just wish we had more talent. You know what I mean? And that's me extrapolating. I don't know that that's actually happening. But why is that comment even coming about? There is talent on this team, and you can people can bitch and moan about the wide receiver room all they want, and that's yeah. that's fine. You can do that, but there's talent there, and it's not being utilized. Let's go to this because Tobias Merriweather is the next topic, and we saw what Tobias Merriweather could do. If if it's really about talent and not the offensive coordinator. How the hell did it take until game six to figure out that that guy can run a post and <laughs> and and win a you know win a and should have had a, again another touchdown? He had his guy beat twice. 
how did it take six games to figure out that all you have to do is tell him to run a route and he can run it and the quarterback can get him the ball if it's not the offensive coordinator? I mean, I, I don't even know what to say because running a post. Now, he ran a very good post. He, he stemmed inside, you know, bit outside, and then went inside for the – it was a really well run. It was run beautiful. There were, there were multiple double moves on that post too, and he still barely broke stride and yes. still had that guy beaten downfield yes. by a long shot. It was shot. a very well run route. And I want to say that your boy Red said on the broadcast – <laughs> that it was a veteran route. It was the it was. most veteran route that he has seen all season from a true freshman that you refuse to play. I There's not a whole lot else to say, man. Like, we've been begging for, for Tommy Reese to put him in the game. We've been begging for it. And we're not the only outlet. Obviously, all the fans were, pick, were, were, were wanting it as well, okay? They finally do it, and he scores a touchdown. He yes. should have had a touchdown on his first one. He should have had a touchdown on his second one, and he did. But what are we doing here? What are we doing? Said it all along. It's they were make you know just like what we were talking about with all the scan. They're making it more complicated than it needs to be. It doesn't have to be that hard. Now I'm not saying you can do this with every receiver, but with a freshman who everyone concedes does not know the whole offense, but a freshman who has that kind of skill set. All you've got to do is pick a handful of plays just like they did the other night. And just like Marcus Freeman said afterwards when I asked yeah. him about it, those plays were were designed specifically to get him the ball. And he was open both times, and that's what they did. It is something they could have been doing all season right. to this point. No doubt about it. And it's it's embarrassing, and it's hilarious to me that the first time he was in the game that he got targeted, it should have been a touchdown, the second one was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just – He's got a freak skill set, and he's got to be on the field every game. And, you know, again, he doesn't have to be out there to run, you know, motion and, you know, block and do all this stuff. But he needs to be on the field so that when opposing defenses see number 15, they know they've got to cheat a safety to that side. And what happens if they cheat a safety to that side? It opens things up on the other side of the field for someone else, for a guy – with with the speed like Chris Tyree or you know the obviously right. obvious abilities of a Michael Mayer or Lorenzo Styles or whoever it happens right. to be. You Don't know, tell again, me this team doesn't have talent. That and that's you know, and I ran through the skill guys a second ago. I, I didn't even mention the offensive line. Three at least three of your offensive linemen are gonna play in the NFL. At least three guys on that no. offensive line are gonna play in the NFL, and probably two of at least two of your young tight ends are gonna play in the NFL as well but people keep trying to say this is a talent issue that's bs right and and just name them off yeah name them up meyer or mayor tyree tobias lorenzo uh, uh estime Diggs. like you've got skill talent don't tell me you don't have skill talent okay i'm sorry completely agree completely Drunk agree. People says a lot of crazy stuff sometimes but you're right on the money on this one okay and you've been right on the money with a lot of stuff that you've said today but can't right double there. them all unless you want to commit a defensive tackle to one of them. Right. I think that I think that Mayor Tyree or Tobias could beat a defensive tackle or even a defensive end, you know. So right. So I the problem is it's so obvious that it is it it's disheartening. Yeah. So yep. I'll I'll leave it at that. Right. Next topic tonight. Okay. Marcus Freeman's sideline demeanor. 
this is the part, and I, I, I do want to push back on everybody that you know was unhappy with his demeanor, or like he he wasn't fired up enough, or he was too fired up, or what you know, whatever everybody else was saying. My issue with his demeanor on the sideline is that when Notre Dame is on offense, he looks as surprised as you and I do at what is taking place. Every time they panned over to him when Notre Dame was on offense, he looked like he was seeing it all for the first time, like he was surprised at what he was seeing and disappointed, obviously, in what he was seeing. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it feels like to me there's two things at play here. You've got the head coach who obviously has his hands in the defense and, you know, whatever, and the offense is left to their own devices. And Tommy Reese is the head coach of the offense. And Marcus Freeman is, like I said, he looks just as surprised as you and I do as we're watching the offense. That's what he looks like. And that, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that seems like a problem to me. Yeah, see, I just, I'd like to know the real story about I would who's too. deciding what behind the scenes because as i've said multiple times just on this show the same guy who called the plays in the fiesta bowl is the same guy calling plays right now right and by and large with the exception of maybe you know like again the game things seem to change a little bit in the cow game and then the north carolina game with the exception of those game you know things opened up a little bit differently in those games but we've seen a much more ground and pound type approach these last few games and again especially saturday night they get misplaced ground and pound against stanford saturday night and they they seem to me you know like i again like i remember marty schottenheimer that you know that was like his that was his thing man back cleveland browns and he took it to kansas city and you know, like he wanted to to ride that ground game and just grind you into the game with that ground game and play tough physical defense. And I'm, you know, I'm all for tough physical defense and all that stuff. But it's not 1985, you know. And it, it, but it's just like Marty was a defensive-minded coach as well. You know, that's the and like most of these defensive-minded coaches, that seems to be more along the lines yeah. of what they go to. And like, it, it's, it's almost like Marcus feels like maybe he's trying to protect the defense, well, you know, with this kind of gameplay, you know? So again, like, while he's not the one necessarily drawing up the entire game plan, sure. and he's obviously not the one calling the plays. It definitely seems like he has some influence over the, you know, how you, the kind of game plan that he wants put together on Saturday. Big picture. Here's what I'll say, and I need people to not freak out when I say this, okay? I am not comparing Marcus Freeman to Nick Saban, okay? My comparison is that they were both defensive-minded coaches, okay? Nick Saban was on the defensive side of the ball. He still coaches the corners, right? He's a defensive-minded head coach. He had success with the ground and pound and play action, right? Right. For and a long time. What, and that's what he wanted to run. Yeah. Now, the difference, and Marcus Freeman is a first-year head coach. He hasn't had a chance to make this change, right? The difference is Nick Saban saw the landscape of college football changing, and he went out and got 
experienced offensive coordinator and just gave him the offense and told him we need to be up-tempo, throwing the ball, like change us for the better so that we keep up with the trends of college football. But he also started recruiting a different kind of absolutely like yeah. he was getting he was getting much better quarterbacks than than what he had you the know quarterbacks like, he had were yeah. very yeah. ian bookish drew pinish you know those kind of game manager type guys right? right and then he went out and got those dynamic tyler buckner type guy now i'm not comparing people need to not lose their minds here i'm just talking about skill set okay different kinds and he had coordinators that could call games for those guys just saying, I get where Marcus Freeman's coming from, but he also has to have the wherewithal to understand what works and what doesn't work in this age of college football. Yeah. We are not Marshall says Reese called a great first half of the Fiesta. That's it. I mean, that's fair too, but you sure. know, again, the it, different team, they had no running game last year. They didn't have any running game that they could fall back on, it, but you know, and I said coming out of that game and I, I, I said after Ohio state and, as well that like the counterpunch you know that that's still the big thing and that's kind of a continuing thing their ability to adjust as they get you know because like what was you know did they really make any big picture adjustments or did they just you know right hit a few more you know like you said they hit a 41 yard pass play that covered up a lot of a lot of boogers you know from the well rest and of the night. <laughs> and let's also be honest uh jack cone is a much more accurate passer than drew pine is yeah no matter what his stats were for the past two weeks, and again, I gave him all the credit in the world for that. Again, Drunk Vigo is right on the money. Cone is a completely different quarterback than Drew Pine. It just is. And if Jack Cone was playing behind this offensive line, but part of that is experience too. It is absolutely. You are absolutely correct. You're dealing with you were dealing with a guy who's a three year starter. Yeah. Drew Pine's a four game starter. That's a big difference too. Right. So yeah. And I saw right. somebody said that you know that that Reese made Cone a completely different quarterback. You're right. But again, now remember they went into last season with a, you know, disillusion as to what the offensive line yes. was and they were calling the wrong kind of game for an immobile quarterback. And it took them a while to make that adjustment. You know, like you know, they, they obviously don't have that issue with pine because he can run a little bit, but I just, you know, again, where's the counter punch? Where's right. the big adjustment? I thought North Carolina was kind of it. I'm like, do you do you agree with what Marcus Freeman says that the North Carolina game, the BYU game, this game, that there's really not that much difference in what they're doing? From a run game standpoint, there's not. Pass game, maybe. Run game, there's not. And that's the problem, though. You 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 can run to, into the teeth of some of those defenses. Can't run into the teeth of the Stanford. You got to run outside. And they, they're not doing that. And that it right. really, they didn't do that against Stanford. So that was that was a problem to right. me. All right, I think we'll wrap it up with this one tonight. All right. Last topic for tonight. The overturned fumble. I think either you or Brian said it in real time, right? When we were watching the game. Obviously, it was the wrong call. I think we can all be on board with the fact that that was the wrong call, okay? It should not have come down to that call. The game should not have come down to that no. call. That should not. That should have been the difference between Notre Dame scoring 49 and 42. 
Well, and let's just clear. Yeah, let's clarify everything. The game should not have been like officiating shouldn't have been a factor. Agreed. You know, there were bad calls. There were some but, really bad calls, like the hold yeah. on Michael Mayer. That was a terrible call. Was, That's that right. Was a, that was a terrible call. Jonathan Gabrick, I think it is, says the ref shouldn't be the reason yeah. you lose. And I completely agree with that. No but question about I'm it. Just, I'm talking about specifically the it goes to instant replay yes. and the decision and of the instant replay booth to overturn. Is that it is clear evidence that the call on the field was wrong. That's the problem with this. So, so in a vacuum, if we're talking about this one play, right, the ruling on the field was that it was a fumble. I think video showed that it was also a fumble, but it was very close. Right. It was close. Yeah. It was but close. It was still a fumble, it but I like. still believe that it was a fumble. That that was not incontrovertible. Or I don't, that wasn't even a word. It was not clear evidence. Yeah, thank you. It was not clear evidence that it was not a fumble to overturn the call on the field. Whatever the call on the field was. If they said the call on the field was that he was down, if they probably should have stuck with it. Yeah. But you can't change the call on the field based on that replay. That was the problem. That's right. Anytime a call is made on the field, it's subjective, right? You know, every official has a a different opinion about any anything that they see. The reason for replay is to take the subjectivity out of it because they can slow the play down. Right. And look at it frame by frame. Look at it very closely. In the replay booth, it's more black and white. You either have an indisputable, as you said, you either have indisputable evidence to overturn the call or you don't overturn the call. But But it feels like more times than not in college football, especially, they're allowing their own subjectivity in the booth to override what's already a subjective call on the field they're just saying well i think it's this it's like it doesn't matter what you think it's it's black or it's white once it gets to replay either it definitely is or you can't overturn right it should not matter yeah that's right what conference you're aligned with or any of that nonsense and you know again the the away team brings the refs and that's just how it goes and that's just the way they do things in college football people need to get over that that's just the way Notre Dame operates, okay? And when they have, I mean, most of the time it's ACC refs, right? But they have an, op- you know, when it's a Pac-12 team, it's a Pac-12 referee. Well, they're ACC refs because of all the ACC teams. Exactly. They and they have a lot of those, right? And when Notre Dame goes to an ACC play, or when, they, when Notre Dame goes on the road, they take ACC refs. I mean, that's just, that's the agreement that they have. So, but the replay officials... I believe are neutral, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's how it works. I can't and, tell you specifically. So, but either way, it's black and white, and they messed it up. They got it wrong. They got it wrong. I know a lot. Yeah, like the replay officials are independent of at least the guys on the field. But I don't know right. if they came from the same conference or not. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure on yeah. that. And I think it might be on our cards that we get. But not again, know you know, sure. like I just put up the comment from Brian. He thinks they got it right on the field. Again, that's why it's yeah. subjective. One. Two people can look at the exact same thing and think two completely different things. Right. But when it gets to replay, you know, like when you slowed that down, again, I get how some people, you know, like maybe you think that he was, because it was very close. That ball, like we were sitting there with the TVs right up above us, big screen TVs, and we're looking at it. That ball is punched out Yep. right before, like I'll hold my hand up here. Like this is, this is the leg. 
so the like it gets to about right here so yep. like you can still see air between here and this is the turf it gets to about right here and that ball is being punched out and then the leg yes the knee comes down and it was it was that close yep. you know and so i just i just it's just more i've just i've just never had confidence in college football instant replay I think it's right. gotten a little it's bit so better bad. in recent years, but it's still, I just, it's not good. It's so bad. I mean, that's just, it's just so bad. I don't even know what yeah. else to say. It is just so bad, but you know, concur. I think that's going to do it for tonight. Did you, did we get it all out? Did we get it out of our system? Did, did we? Well, I've got another show here in 31 minutes, so I'm going to go with no. I did not get it all out of my system. So oh, make I, hope, sure. I hope nobody else got it out of their system either because we've got more yeah. shows to come this we, week we, and we'll be here for all of it. That's, right? that's a solid point. That's absolutely right. You're going to be back with Jesse tomorrow at 6, but tonight yeah. at 8 o'clock, Brian and I will be talking uh, upon further review. So we were supposed to do it last night. It is 100% my fault that we did not have the show last night. I was busy coaching uh young girls basketball and i didn't get home until with enough time to properly dive into the film but i have since then uh, dove into the film and we're gonna have our upon further review show tonight at eight o'clock so 31 minutes so make sure that you guys are in and you check it out because brian and i have a good show planned and uh, we're gonna jump into the x's and o's a little bit but we're also gonna talk about the offense and defense big picture. So Jonathan says he's going to talk so much smack about the Cowboys tomorrow. Bring it Ooh. on because Ooh. the Cowboys were starting a number two quarterback. True. And, uh, you know, once, once, uh, the, the defense settled in a little bit, I didn't, I didn't notice the Eagles scoring too much yeah, in the second. I'm looking forward to the rematch. They had they a chance back at full strength. They did have a chance, <laughs> but they didn't, they didn't complete it. That's right. And thank you, Tim as well and to everybody else we will uh we will be back tomorrow we're gonna have a lot more stuff so we'll we're here for you all week we'll be your sounding board you can vent you can do whatever you want you know if you want to yell at tommy reese through us that's just fine marcus freeman whoever it happens to be but uh we'll do it of course vince will be back for the mailbag on wednesday yeah baby speaking of sounding boards and everything else all right we will talk to you then Hit the like button if you would on your way out. Subscribe, rate, review. Great to have you here today. Hopefully, we have a good week ahead of us. Vince, have fun on the show tonight. I will talk to you Wednesday. Yes, sir. I'll be there. All right. Sounds good. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We'll talk to you later.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.